Welcome to the Saints Church Highlands podcast. We hope that this message encourages and guides you to connect with God this week. So I'll, I'll start with a, a story. And I grew up in church and growing up in church, I went to youth group every Tuesday, every Friday night. And Pastor Jeremy here had the pleasure of being my pastor. I don't know if it was a pleasure, but <laughs> he, was, he was my pastor. And uh, very thankful for that. But um, for those of you who also grew up in church, there's these things called progressive dinners. And um, if you didn't grow up in church, what a progressive dinner is, is um, it's dinner over the course of the night and you basically have like a four or five course meal and you have it at four or five different houses. So you get all these kids and you hop on a bus, all these youth, they hop on a bus and you go to the first house and you have like, I don't know, soup, let's say. And then the, <laughs> the second house you go to, you have salad. Um, and then the third one, you, you might have like a, a main course. Um, so on and so forth, you get the idea. So it's kind of progressive. You stop at one place, eat, and keep going. And I always have like really fond, fond memories of these progressive dinners. They're always such a good time. You get to like sit on the bus, fool around with your friends, hang out, talk to them. And then you get to go to like new people's houses, people's houses that you've never been to before. And then on top of that, there's free food. And you get like a four-course meal out of it. So, like, I mean, to a teenager, that sounds pretty good. Even to me right now, that sounds pretty good. Um, yeah, so those were always, like, great times. I also remember growing up in church, and I think it was one Sunday night every, every uh, month or something like that, where we'd have Sunday night fellowship. Um, I don't know if you were still there for that. Yeah, okay. So basically what that was, was the whole church would head down to the church basement and we'd get sandwiches, I think, um, and church juice and cookies. And I'm pretty sure they're dad's cookies, which are still some of the best cookies out there. And um, yeah, it was just like so many good memories from hanging out in that church basement and sharing food with my friends and and goofing off, and if I was brave enough, maybe I went and talked to my crush, you know. Um, I probably wasn't brave enough, so I don't think that actually happened, but I have all these good favorite memories, and they all have to do with food, even with me traveling. Like, when I travel, I'm usually the one planning where we're stopping. Um, between me and my wife, I, I have a list of things that I want to go see, and 90% of them are restaurants or like food spots. I just want to try everything. Um, and I think part of the reason why my favorite memories have to do with food is one, because I love food. If you know me, you know that I love cooking. Um, my mom's an amazing cook. Grew up eating some pretty good food. And if you've been to the Herrera house, you know that. Um, so, the first reason is because I love food. The second reason is because I believe that food is the lowest common denominator. 
Food is something we all need and something we can all talk about. You know, we can talk about, oh, what's your favorite restaurant? Like, what do you order from McDonald's? What don't you like? Like, I don't like pickles on my burger. And if you don't, you're crazy. Um, so it's just like the lowest common denominator. We can bond over food. And there's a quote by uh, Cesar Chavez. He was a human rights activist in the States. And he says that if you really want to make a friend, go to someone's house and eat with them. The people who give you their food give you their heart. And I couldn't agree more. Um, so you might be asking me, Kev, why are you talking about, why are you talking about food so much? Well, I, I laid those reasons out already. But the other reason is because the Bible talks about food. And it talks about fellowship. And it talks about the humility of hospitality. And on the other side of hospitality, it shows us that hospitality nourishes hearts and souls. And that's the title of my message, The Gospel of Hospitality, Nourishing Hearts and Souls. So let's see what the, the Bible has to say about hospitality. Um, the first, first verse is Matthew 14, verses 13 to 21. We probably all know this one. Um, and it goes like this. So when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. I'm going to stop there and give a little bit of context. So the reason Jesus withdrew is because one of his best friends had just got beheaded. He just died. So he needs some time alone. Um, so hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied and said, they do not need to go away. You need to give them something to eat. And they responded and said, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. So Jesus says, bring them here to me. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. I think that's a really good line that, that kind of touches on what I'm talking about. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. So there's quite a few more. I want to say 10,000. I don't know if that's right. Probably around that, 10 to 15,000, which is a lot of people. And I think what's really cool and also really tragic about the scripture is, is that Jesus had spent an entire day alone. He obviously needed time to himself to mourn the loss of his friend. And, and even when he was alone, there's just, he could probably be in the boat. I'm just imagining him on the boat and there's like crowds of people like following him on the shoreline. So he knew as soon as he was going back, even though his social battery is probably at the lowest it could be, 
as soon as he got back, there's people waiting for him. And he takes this time to say, come eat with me. He says that no matter what I've been through, that you are loved. And in a situation like that, it takes a lot of humility and selflessness to say, I'm going to put these people before myself. No matter what I've been through today, I'm going to serve these people. I'm going to feed them. And funny enough, that's exactly how the Bible tells us to love one another as well. It tells, tells us to put other people before ourselves. I'm going to grab water because uh, my mouth is dry. One second. Another verse that talks about, um, it just has a really good example of, of hospitality, is in Genesis, Genesis 18, 1 through 8. And uh, this time it's Abraham offering his hospitality. And the verse says, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. And he said, quick, get three sails of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. So I don't, I don't know how common this hospitality was back in, in the times of Abraham. But you're telling me that when these people, these strangers, came to his door, he runs inside and he says, Sarah, can you make some bread for these guests? And I don't know if you've made bread before, but that takes, that takes a little bit of time, you know? It takes an hour or two. And then the next thing after that, he goes to the field and he kills a calf. And then he prepares it for them. And I don't know if you've ever bought a whole cow, but that's a lot of money. And then grilling that, that takes a lot of time. And then he got curds and milk for them to eat and drink. So they probably would have been waiting for a couple hours, maybe half a day even. But he was laying it all down on the line. He was bowing down at their feet and putting them before him. Whether or not they are heaven-sent angels, he stopped in his tracks for hospitality. And now I'm not, not saying that we should do that, but it is a good example. In fact, if we were to, you know, have a couple strangers come to our door 
and we just stepped into the backyard, shot a cow, they'd probably leave before you even got it on the grill. So, um, you know, that'd be a little weird. But <laughs> I do think there is some significance to these stories and the details that are included in this, these verses. They could have easily been left out, but the details tell us the value of the sacrifice. Feeding someone and welcoming them into your home is a big deal. The world tells us that your home is a place for you. It's a place for privacy. It's a place that, you know, people don't really get to access. But the Bible tells us that the home is a place of sacrifice where we bow at the feet of those who come to our door. And I think something important to note that's also in the title of the message is that your home can nourish hearts and souls. And your home is a gateway to the gospel. And like one thing I thought to myself is how, like how can I expect people to see the inside of my church if they've never seen the inside of my home? And a, a quote by Scott Barchi says this, it'd be difficult to overestimate the importance of table fellowship for the cultures of the first century. Meal times were far more than occasions for individuals to eat. Being welcomed at a table for the purpose of eating food with another person became ceremonially richly symbolic of friendship, intimacy, and unity. Betrayal or unfaithfulness towards anyone with who one had shared a table was viewed as unacceptable. And on the other hand, when persons were estranged, a meal invitation opened the way to reconciliation. And I got this quote from, from a, a blog that I, was, that I was reading in relation to hospitality. And they, they added a section after that quote and it says that, Gathering around a table together was so important that there was a prescribed ritual for preparing to eat. The hosts would always have to extend gracious hospitality to their guests, which is exactly what Jesus and Abraham did in those verses. The hosts would have to wash the feet of the guests, which Abraham did in that verse. Once again, probably don't do that for your guests, but... And this is another one you don't want to do for your guests unless you're Latino or Italian. But um, kisses were exchanged. This was a holy greeting rather than a full-on pash. And number four, the head of the guest was to be anointed with perfumed oil. And when we think about Christmas, we think about the three wise men, and they brought these perf perfumed oils as gifts to Jesus. And th they brought them because of their high value they're just so valuable and and that was the only thing that they could that they could think was you know valuable enough to bring to a king and that's what um they do for their guests so the host often a pharisee would have been very selective about what they ate and who they ate with dining together created a bond and so who was around the table was of utmost importance. This is where the Jesus way of doing table ministry broke norms 
and got himself a reputation as a glutton or a drunk. Zacchaeus would not be someone that you would have a meal with. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, but not only was he a tax collector, he's the worst kind of tax collector because he would charge interest on his tax when they weren't paid, and then that interest he'd pocket it for himself. And not only was he a tax collector, he was a tax collector for the Romans. And he would have been getting rich by treading on his own fellow countrymen. Another quote by John Mark Comer says that Jesus' mission was to seek and save the lost, and his method was to eat and drink with people. Jesus saved people one meal at a time. And the last quote, which is a long one, I got three in a row, I'm sorry. But to understand what Jesus was doing in eating with sinners, it is important to realize that in the East, even today, to invite a man to a meal was an honor. It was an offer of peace, trust, brotherhood, and forgiveness. In short, sharing a table meant sharing your life. It's pouring your heart out. In Judaism, in particular, table fellowship means fellowship before God. For the eating of a piece of broken bread by everyone who shares in the meal brings out the fact that they have, all have a share in the blessing which the master of the house had spoken over the unbroken bread. Thus, Jesus' meals with publicans and sinners too are not only events on a social level, not only expression of his unusual humanity and social generosity and his sympathy for those who were despised, but they had an even deeper significance. The inclusion of sinners in the community of salvation achieved in tableship is the most meaningful expression of the message of the redeeming love of God. And after reading all these quotes, we see a perfect example in Matthew 9, verses 9 to 13. So, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Once again, a tax collector. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. And that duty is ours too, to call the sinners into our homes. Now that um, I've kind of laid these examples out, I have, I have a challenge for you to pry, apply this practical hospitality and these living principles into your life. And when you do, you will nourish hearts and souls. Um, so when me and my wife, oh, I'll back it up, sorry. Growing up, my parents kind of had like a, open door policy, you could call it. So there's, there's always people at our house. Um, most of the time, like people my parents' age. 
people I didn't really know that well. And mom, you're not going to like this, but I kind of hated it when I was, a, you know, when I was a teenager. I'm like, I'd rather just go watch YouTube or like go to my room, hang out by myself. Uh, I don't want to introduce myself to strangers and like talk to them. And then in my old age, I kind of I start to realize the significance of this policy, this open door policy. And when I got married, I was like, hey, I'm going to adopt that open door policy. Uh, yeah, that didn't last very long. So uh, <laughs> my wife had different things to say. But... That doesn't mean we can't extend hospitality. And hospitality is going to look different for every person in this room. For, for you, it might look like taking someone out for coffee. And I think the bottom line is coffee's on you the first time, no matter what. And that, that goes for everyone. Okay? So that's what it might look like for you. For others, it might look like setting, setting one night a month apart to be hospitable and to host and to make a meal for someone. Um, so yeah, now, now me and my wife, we're in a really good spot. You know, we talked about it. Maybe it was a loud talk, but we talked about it, about having people over and having our house be a hospitable place where we serve others. So my, my three um, challenges for you are number one, have a radical welcome. Adopt a radical approach to welcoming others. How do we do that? It's going to take you going past your comfort zone and extending hospitality. And like I said, this might be taking someone out for coffee or inviting them to your home, or setting one side a month, one night aside a month to host friends. And when you do this, remember that your hospitality nourishes their hearts and souls. And when you do that, remind yourself of, of Abraham, who bowed down to strangers. They may have been angels sent by God, but he didn't know that at the time. So you bow down and you give them your very best. Have a radical welcome. Number two is inclusive fellowship. Have inclusive fellowship. When we are inclusive in our fellowship, we break down barriers and prejudices. Just like Jesus did, he ate with tax collectors, sinners, people that other members of society distance themselves from. So having inclusive fellowship, what does that look like? Well, a practical example of this can be inviting sinners to our house, people that don't know God. Um, you know, whether that's your friends, people that don't know God, people that might be walking the wrong walk in life, we invite them in and we help nourish them. Another great way, very practical way, is groups. And groups are great 
because groups help you interact and grow with people in different walks of life than you. And they're not typically always people that you would hang out with on a day-to-day -day basis. Some of them might be, but they're not all. So joining a group is a great way to have inclusive fellowship. And if you have, or you're part of a group, or if you're looking to be part of a group, come talk to me after the service, or talk to Brett, or talk to Jeremy, and we can connect you to get joined in with a group. Um, and for us already in groups, when you meet someone new who's looking to get connected, it's a great way to encourage them to join a group. And it might even be your group. And number three, save the best for last, the food. Number three, the challenge is sharing our table. My last challenge is to be intentional about sharing meals with neighbors, colleagues, and strangers. I know Brett has said something along these lines. And he says, imagine the impact if we all invite someone to church. I'm going to put my own little spin on it, if you don't mind. Because I think it's the first logical step in that situation. And to imagine the difference we could make if we all invited people into our homes. And like I said earlier, how do I expect someone to see the inside of my church if they haven't seen the inside of my home? So I challenge you to meditate and think on that as we go into the new year. Imagine if we nourish their hearts and souls in a way that they have never been nourished before. Lord, we thank you for, for this time together. And we just pray that this word would challenge us. We pray that this word would resonate with us, that we would take it home and, and think about it. And Lord, not only that we would think about it, but we would change our mind and change the way we think and change our mentality around hosting and our mentality around food and our mentality around service. And that we would realize when we invite people into our homes, that you have ordained those situations to happen, that you have your hand over our homes, and that we can nourish hearts and souls with your gospel. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Saints Church Highlands podcast. If you are looking to get connected, head to saintschurch.ca. And if you are in the Edmonton area, join us for a service next Sunday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to see you there.